Good morning. It is good to be with all of you this morning. Um, I don't want to send anybody into a panic, but if you aren't aware of the fact that we are only one week away from Christmas, you probably should take note of that. Um, those th- these messages you're getting about last-minute Christmas sales actually are beginning to be true. It is getting close to the last minute. So we are one week away from Christmas, which also means that there are going to be some changes in our schedule next week since it is Christmas Day. You need to remember that next Sunday we will have a combined worship service, so this worship service will not meet. We also will not have our Bible classes next week. We'll just all meet together at 11 o'clock. So we look forward to that time when we'll be together next week at 11 o'clock. We'll be celebrating the gift of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that's ever been given, Jesus Christ. We'll do that in song. We'll do that in scripture. We'll do that in prayer. And I really want to encourage you not only to be here, but to invite others to be here with you. Many of us will have friends and family in town. We'll have people that maybe the only time of the year they're actually focused on Jesus Christ. And this would be a great time to invite them to come and be with us as we worship together and as we celebrate the gift of Jesus Christ next week. So once you do that, once you plan on being here and plan on inviting others to be here with us next week. I, want to do, I do want to give you a Project 6K update for those of you who may not know at this point. Way back in January of 2016, we challenged ourselves to read at least 6,000 books of the Bible in 2016. And here we are with two weeks left in the year 2016, and we have read 7,559 books of the Bible. Obviously, we weren't very aggressive in our goal. We thought we were being aggressive, but you guys blew through that. Uh, We'll probably be somewhere close to 8,000 books of the Bible read in 2016 in a couple of weeks. Um, We're debating about what our goal for next year is going to be. Uh, Please understand that we're going to make sure that we stretch ourselves, that we're going to challenge ourselves um, so that we're not only reading like we did this year, but even more of us are reading and those of us who are reading are reading even more. So please be in prayer about that. Speaking of prayer, let's pray before we begin the lesson this morning. Father, we stand before you as people who have been freed. Father, freed from the, the chains of our sin. And Father, we know that we are freed only through the blood of Jesus Christ. And since we have been freed by your Son, Father, we know that we are free indeed. And Father, help us to use our freedom to love you and trust you because you are our loving and trustworthy Father. Father, help us to use our freedom to honor you because you are our honorable Father. Father, help us to use our freedom to be faithful to you and faithful to others because you are our faithful Father. Father, help us to use our freedom to please you because you are our ever watchful Father. Father, help us to use our freedom to give generously to you because you are our generous Father. Father, help us to use our freedom to magnify your glorious and majestic name because you are glorious and majestic. Father, help us to use our freedom to love you, our Father, with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength. And it's in your Son's name, Jesus, who is the Christ, that we pray. Amen. 
Well, we have been in the book of Malachi for the last several weeks, and today we're going to say goodbye to Malachi, and we're going to say goodbye to his courtroom. But before we leave Malachi's courtroom, we're going to hear God pronounce his final verdict, his final verdict in the trial of Judah, his covenant people. If you were here last week, you'll remember that last week's court session ended with two very different verdicts from two very different juries. The first jury was made up of all the faithless citizens of Judah, and they declared God guilty. Guilty of not loving them like he had promised to love them. Guilty of not taking care of them like he had promised to take care of them. And guilty of not blessing them like he had promised to bless them. And this faithless jury pronounced that it was futile to serve God. They declared that it was a waste of time to serve God. It was a waste of effort to serve God. They asserted that it was better to follow the ways of the godless rather than to be devoted to serving God. But we saw that God wasn't without faithful witnesses in Malachi's court. Not all of Judah had rejected their God. See, there was a remnant. There was a minority of faithful followers. And they were willing to stand up and they were willing to speak up for God. And because this faithful jury found and declared the truth about their loving and faithful God... God delivered his verdict about his people to this faithful remnant. See, because they feared God, because they honored God, because they had given their hearts to God, God heard them and God listened to them and then God spoke to them. And God told his faithful remnant that he would remember them and he would claim them and he would treasure them and that he would spare them. Spare them because of his compassion for them. He promised to spare them, his faithful remnant. Spare them from the awful punishment that's coming to the faithless. To his faithful remnant, God declared this in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 18. He said, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. You will see a distinction between those who serve God and those who do not. He says there's going to be a distinction between those who serve God and those who do not serve God. And it's this distinction that's been at the root of the people's accusations against God throughout our court time. See, the people have accused God of not making proper distinctions. They have accused God of not making any distinction between those who serve God and those who do not serve God. In fact, in their faithless assessment of God's actions, they became convinced that God did not love, did not bless, and did not favor his own children. So they've repeatedly called on God to make a distinction. And so here, God delivers a distinctive verdict And it has distinctive consequences. Reading on in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. God says, surely the day is coming and it will burn like a furnace. 
All of the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Yes, God pronounces a distinctive verdict with distinctive consequences. Distinctive consequences for those who don't serve him, those who don't honor him, those who don't obey him from their hearts. God has declared them guilty. And he promises that for them, the coming day of the Lord will burn like fire. God promises total destruction for those whose hearts have been corrupted with pride and selfishness. Total destruction for those who fail to respect and honor their God. Total destruction for those who have contempt for God's name. Total destruction for those who are unfaithful to their covenants. Total destruction for those who are guilty of taking from their God, who are guilty of robbing God. Total destruction for those who are guilty of speaking harshly about their God. Judah asked for a distinction from God. In fact, Malachi's people demanded that God show them favor. And they demanded that God punish the nations that were around them. And in reply, God promises distinction. He promises favor for some and he promises punishment for others. But God bases his distinction and he bases his verdict on different evidence different evidence than faithless Judah supposed he would base his verdict on. So listen as God continues pronouncing his distinctive verdict. He says, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and you will leap like calves released from the stall." Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Now, God makes a clear distinction. He says, the day of the Lord is coming, and it will come with the fire of total destruction for some. But it will come with the warmth and the comfort and the freedom of the spring sun for others. God makes a clear distinction. But God doesn't make his distinction based on nationality. And God doesn't base his distinction on genealogy. See, it isn't the citizens of the kingdom of Judah who are favored by God. It's the citizens of God's kingdom who are favored. It isn't the children of Abraham who are rewarded by God. It's the children of God who are rewarded. The distinctions between those who serve God and those who reject God. The distinction is between those whose hearts are bowed before God in humility and love and those whose hearts are corrupted by pride and selfishness. The distinction is between those who respect and obey God And those who refuse to respect God, who refuse to obey him. The distinctions between those who honor God's name and those who have contempt for his name. 
the distinction is between those who are faithful to their covenants and those who break their covenants. The distinction is between those who bring delight to their God and those who weary their God. The distinction is between those who give generously to their God and those who rob their God. And the distinction is between those who magnify God's name and between those and the ones who speak harshly of his name. Now, the distinction isn't based on nationality. And the distinction isn't based on genealogy. Instead, the distinction is based on love. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Do you love the Lord your God with all of your soul? Do you love the Lord your God with all of your strength? And God says, those who do, those who do love me with all of their heart and all of their soul and all of their strength, those who do, those are the true children of God. Those are the true citizens of God's kingdom. And you know, it really shouldn't surprise us that the God of love makes his distinction based on love. And it shouldn't surprise us that as Malachi ends, in fact, as the Old Testament ends, as the Old Testament ends tragically with only a remnant, there's only a remnant of God's faithful and loving children that are even in evidence It shouldn't surprise us that our faithful God hasn't given up. It shouldn't surprise us that our faithful God hasn't abandoned his people. It shouldn't surprise us that our faithful God hasn't abandoned his promises. He hasn't rejected his covenants. It shouldn't surprise us that despite the unfaithful jury... Despite the verdict of the unfaithful jury saying that God is guilty of not loving them, it shouldn't surprise us that our faithful God, our faithful God of love, isn't through loving. Despite the verdict of the unfaithful jury, God has not stopped working, hasn't stopped working for his children. And so as Malachi ends, as the Old Testament ends, We hear this. God speaks in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. He says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. God isn't through loving And he hasn't stopped working for his children. So Malachi and the Old Testament end. But they don't end by looking back. They end by looking forward. They're looking forward because God isn't through loving. And God isn't through working for his children. So Malachi ends by looking forward to the time when the new Elijah... When a great prophet Elijah will come and will speak once more for God. And Malachi ends looking forward to the time that hearts will once again turn to their God. Malachi ends by looking forward to the time that the true Israel will be revealed. 
Malachi ends by looking forward to the time when God's covenant promises will be fulfilled. And Malachi ends by looking forward to when Israel will become what she was always intended to be. Malachi ends, the Old Testament ends by looking forward forward to what God is going to make happen. So Malachi ends, and the Old Testament ends, and they're looking forward, and then we wait. We wait some 400 years. It's like the ultimate cliffhanger. The whole universe is waiting and wondering and watching for 400 years. Waiting and watching and wondering for the new Elijah to come. The whole universe waits and wonders and watches for those hearts that are going to turn to God. The whole universe waits and wonders and watches for the true Israel to be revealed. The whole universe waits and wonders and watches for God's covenant promise to be fulfilled. And it waits and it wonders and it watches for Israel to become what it was always intended to be. For 400 years, the whole universe waited and wondered and watched to see how God was going to make that happen. For 400 years, the whole world waited and wondered and watched for God's loving response to his faithful remnant, his faithful jury. Because God wasn't through loving And God wasn't through working. And God's desire was that more than just a remnant would be spared the heat of total destruction. God's desire was that more than a remnant would revere his name and would welcome that sun of righteousness when it rises with healing. Healing in its wings. God's desire was that more than a remnant would be able to go out and leap like calves that had been released from the stall at the coming day of the Lord. So God listened, and God heard, and God remembered, and then God acted. He acted to claim and to treasure and to spare his children. John 1.1 In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then there came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. This is the same John that Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 declares is the Elijah who was to come. And John came to, as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And he was in the world. And the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not 
recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. For the law that was given through Moses, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. All I can say to that is, wow. Isn't it wonderful to no longer be waiting and wondering and watching for God's response? Maybe you didn't hear me. I said, isn't it wonderful to no longer be waiting and wondering and watching for God's response? I wish Grayson was still here. He was giving much better amens earlier on. See, we're here to testify that Jesus is God's loving response. We're here to testify that Jesus decisively proves that God was not through. And God is not through loving his people. Jesus decisively demonstrates that God was not finished and God is not finished working for his people. These are not those dark days of Malachi. And they're not those dark days of Malachi because God's true light, God's son Jesus Christ has broken into the world. And John the Baptist, the new Elijah, has come. And he has testified to the greatness of the light. And we are here today as testimony to the fact that hearts have turned. And hearts are turning. And hearts will turn to God. And we point to the church. We point to the church as the people who have received the light who have believed in the light and so have become the true children of God, who have become the true Israel, a people, a church not based on nationality, not based on genealogy, but a nation, a people, a church formed by the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. The light has come into the world. And the light has made us sons and daughters of God. And the light has welcomed us into God's kingdom. Thank God for his light. Because it is God's light, it is his son, it is Jesus Christ who has fully revealed God's glory. 
fully revealed God's grace, fully revealed God's truth. And it's the light. It's the Son of God. It's Jesus Christ who has set us free. And because it's the Son who has set us free, we are free indeed. We're free to be the children that God created us to be. We're free to be the children that from the very beginning of time God intended for us to be. We're free to love and trust our loving and trustworthy Father. We're free to honor our honorable Father. We're free to be faithful to our faithful Father. We're free to please our ever-watchful Father. We're free to give generously to our generous Father. We're free to magnify the name of our glorious and majestic Father. We've been set free. We've been set free by the Son to love our Father with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength. God hasn't stopped loving, and he hasn't stopped working. God has made it happen. Light has come into the world. And because light has come into the world, joy has come to the world. So we're here together as people who have believed in the light. People who have recognized the light. People who have received the light. And since we have received and believed in the light, since we have been adopted by God as his children, let us live our lives with inexpressible joy. It's the joy that can only come to those who know that Jesus opened the gate and Jesus set us free. So as we end, I just want to say, come all ye faithful. Come and adore him, for Jesus Christ is the Lord. Let's stand and let's sing.